Hi everyone, it's Jamie. I just want to share with you that my new book, Toxic Relationship Recovery, is available now. This book is for anyone who is healing after a harmful relationship, but it's also for people that are looking to identify toxic traits, toxic behaviors, and toxic strategies that get used upon people every single day. The second half of the book teaches you strategies to heal your inner voice and find your authentic self after experiencing this type of harm. I'm looking forward to you all reading it and hearing your feedback from it. It's available today. Find Toxic Relationship Recovery wherever you buy books. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This is Unlearned, a self-rising production. I'm Jamie. And I'm CA. And we are your hosts. This is a podcast all about deconstructing who we are and exploring who we are becoming. What a weather. All right, here we go. Uh-oh, it says you can't access my video. Hello. Can you see me? I see you. I see, I see you. you. I see you. It is a brisk 49 degrees. I don't know what it is. I just know it's what is it? cold. <laughs> is it? Yeah, it's, it's like – It's sweater weather. For me, I live in uh, southern Virginia, <laughs> and I have – even though I grew up in upstate New York where you still currently live, I have turned into the biggest wimp about weather and cold and so if it's like in the low 60s it's sweater weather for me man oh yeah so it is I I didn't give my place credit it's actually semi tolerable it's 59 degrees right now okay oh yeah that's Um, freezing okay let's (laughs) just it's 71 here and I'm wearing a hoodie it's not funny it's not funny is it it's serious (laughs) It's serious. No, but um, okay. But to be fair, we've already talked about the acclimation and, you know, we get it. Like mm-hmm, LA, mm-hmm, 60 degrees mm-hmm. is cold. It's true. The East Coast yes. that's in the South, that's cool. I get that. Okay. So let's like update our listeners a little I feel bit. like it's been a while since we recorded. Has it, it been a while? Been or am I just... a while. Yeah. It's yeah, been a second. So... But so we've been we've been because we're still... That's true, because our episodes are still coming out at a regular click there. But for us, we've been kind of in this like limbo space of trying to figure out where we're going with the podcast and how to proceed. We have loved all the work that we have put out so far in this podcast, and we've loved every minute of doing that all the topics that we've explored and we've gotten such amazing feedback from you guys that like that really kept us going, especially through through some like rougher times when we were like, do we just hang it up? And then like we would get these reviews from you guys and these emails and it would just like send tears to our eyes and just be like, okay, like even if one person is finding value in this, that that matters, you know? So all that to be said though, I have felt and you have felt, we've just kind of like been feeling this sort of energetic shift as to like the type of content that we want to continue exploring moving forward. And so that's kind of where I think we've had our pause on our end, even though you guys haven't felt it, but it's been this time to sort of like brainstorm 
where we're going. Yeah. I think we're, we're, yeah. We're, where are we going? Where, where are we going? <laughs> no. Tell so, us. So, I mean, really, this is, this has been something that's, I think, you know, these are our individual journeys that are now converging a little bit because CA's kind of been in a place where she's talked openly about like, you know, she doesn't, you know, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but the idea of like more beyond trauma, getting through the like experiences of how to define ourselves without it being led or prioritized through the lens of trauma. So I've slowly, you know, I feel like I've slowly realized when we talk about our authentic selves and even in my socials, like, I, you know, there, I just made an announcement that I'm going to probably pivot some of my content a little bit because I realized I've been kind of forcing, I don't know, like I've been forcing this like type of person and almost like, like, I don't want to say heart harping on it, but almost like I've been, I feel like I've been stuck a little bit on just this like one side of mental health education or one side of of providing content for people. And I realized that my personal journey is evolving as well. And so this is what I mean. Like we're kind of converging into this place of like, how would that show up into our podcast? Because me and Sia are both very creative people and we are firm believers in flowing with the creative energy. And remember, this is why when people who are listening, who are also creatives, when you feel that stale energy, when you feel that like lackluster, maybe it's feeling very passive. And this is what we, you know, we, we aren't trying to be secretive. There were times where we weren't really sure if we were going to keep the podcast going. Um, and, you know, this is a labor of love and, you know, we do have like a really amazing person that helps support some of the funding of the producer, but like, this isn't something that's like lining our, you know, pocketbooks and making us like, you know, what, like, you know, like these celebrity pot, like this is not, that's not where we're at with this podcast, right? We're really here to just be providing you guys with like really amazing tools and perspectives that you guys can take away and be inspired by and get better and feel better and thrive. Right. So that's where we're at. And we're like, okay, so how do we emulate that in the podcast? And so what we think we're going to do, and I mean, we could probably maybe close it at this episode and then like start, you know, the next few episodes, but we probably are going to like call this a season where it would be like season one. And then we would go into like season two, because there is a big tangible shift that's going to be occurring in a lot of the content around the podcast. Um, Whereas a lot of the previous episodes have been uh, not all of them, but many of them have been very almost let's get through the mud of life. Like let's like sort through the chaos. Let's sort through the identification the points, the, yeah. to- the, the pain, mm-hmm. the, the toxic traits, the things that have caused wounds. Let's, let's sort through the wound. Let's cleanse the wound in some way. Like let's look at the wound. And me and CA both realized, I think we're in a different stage of healing personally now. And so we don't feel like staring at the wound makes sense anymore because the wound is starting to develop its own, like it, it's now beyond that. It's able to thrive and we're able to move beyond that. So 
with that being said, I think we're going to move to the second season. We'll probably um, do that next episode, but we're going to wrap up this season with one more episode and it's going to be connecting to the second season. But we're really talking about some protective factors around what is the difference, right? This is a, this is why we're like, let's try to figure out the theme here. But really, what we are wanting to focus on with this episode is many of you guys know our story that has extensive trauma in it. And we were trying to kind of sit down with some of our pre-episode brainstorming and we were like, how did we not, I mean, I'm pretty messed up, but like, I mean, like, we always talk about like, what would our how are we normal? be like? We Wait, were, we're not actually normal, Wait, but like, normal. how are we not less normal? Yeah, no, I know what you mean. Well, um, because I said this to CA, I was like, my story, I, I should have been dead. I should have been in a ditch somewhere, not taking care of myself, right? And so we don't really talk enough about protective factors. And what that means in a fancy clinical term is like, what this is, this is like, if I go clinical for a second, you know, when we get taught about protective factors in, you know, psycho, you know, therapy and all that stuff, we really talk about like, there are two different people, or sorry, there are two people with, let's say the exact same presenting trauma, like they were raised with an abusive father or something, Right. And when researchers try to study these life paths, they try to understand what was it about some of these life paths that made this person spiral deeper into the problem and the other person, and this is where the protective factors come in, the other person seemed to take the same problem and almost use it as a stepping stone to become better and to not fall into like a similar cycle um, of abuse, right? Where they changed their story and they became the cycle breaker. So these researchers are always looking at what are those protective factors? What are those things that help people not get worse or not repeat a cycle? So me and CA sat there and we were brainstorming and we we're like, why are we not dead? I'm just kidding. <laughs> like, we're like, why? Yep. why? Why are we it not no- way more messed up? Uh, why aren't we really why in the depths? I mean, but the thing is, yeah, why aren't we worse? Um, I mean, we're not great, but we could be worse. Uh, <laughs> but that is true. Like, it does come down to like, okay, let's 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 word it in a nicer, kinder way. Which I is, know. Let's be how have we? Let's 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 reel it in here. How have we actually been able to overcome a lot of the adversity that we've gone through and how have we been able to have the fortitude to move through a healing process to get ourselves to where we are today? And what were the factors at play? And I think this is a really empowering topic to talk about because for me, as I have tried to heal a lot of my own like childhood trauma, a lot of that work gets done through, um, you know, for me, like inner child work and kind of like going back through some of these like memories and showing up for myself in those moments in the ways that I wish somebody had showed up for me during that time and like retroactively going back and like being there for little me and like supporting her emotions through that. And that helps me process a lot of the pain and the wounding that I went through as a child. 
that's part of it. And, and another part of it that's been really helpful for me is kind of recontextualizing the trajectory and the vision and the story almost of my whole childhood, because having come through and, and dealt with so much adversity and so much negativity, by the time I reached, you know, young adulthood, looking back on my childhood, like it looked like looking back at a train wreck. Like it just looked like debris and fire and just the worst wreckage carnage imaginable. And I would just be like, that's horrific. I don't want to look at that. Right. And so like, there was like avoidance tactics at first and then it turned into, okay, well, no, I actually think I should look at this. I should start working on this. And immediately you go to what is the most obvious, which is the wreckage and the carnage. And you start trying to pick the pieces up and put the fires out and all of that, that goes first. And then this other layer has been going back through and like, Ooh, I just got chills thinking about this. Going back through the footage one more time and finding the beauty that was always there. Like you look down at the ground and there's a little patch of daisies and clovers Mm. and you look over here and yes. And like you look over here and there's a baby bird being born and you look over there and there's, you know, a beautiful painting on the side of. Yeah, one of the train cars that's knocked over, but there's a beautiful painting on it, you know, or whatever. And that has been a very empowering and powerful experience for me to kind of like go back through my childhood and say, okay, yep, there was a lot of wreckage for sure. But all throughout there, there were these mitigating factors. There were these protective factors. There were elements of beauty and there were moments where I was able to feel free and authentically myself and connect with myself. And like, how do I continue to grow those parts of me that have always been there? There were people in my life who actually were like safe and loving and caring and honest. And I think that has been some of the biggest protective factors of the fact that I was able to at least get (laughs) into my young adulthood with some semblance of sense of self um, was the fact that those were all there and they can be easy to overlook because again, as I said, like the trauma is so loud and it's so heavy that it takes up all the like oxygen in the room when you start to like think about that kind of stuff. But after you kind of get through a lot of that wreckage, you're able to like go back through and see, oh, okay. Like, whew, there were moments where I was able to breathe and develop a little bit in a, in a safe spaces. And so yeah, that's been really an interesting part of the journey, I think. Well, I think about like, because this is why I think this episode is so powerful about the switch to season two is that we're really trying to talk more about what what we call them breadcrumbs, like any of the religious trauma episodes, you probably remember that. But like we talk about like what remained constant, right? Like what was a constancy in our life that helped anchor us into who we are. Right. And, you know, like CA talked about some of the beauty and some of the factors. And I mean, I just, you know, we, we have some of the bigger factors that we're going to definitely touch on, but like, I even think of some smaller factor, well, maybe not smaller. I don't know if I should do, you know, trying to equate them like in a hierarchy, but like maybe some factors that are easily overlooked is like, just when I was younger, 
here's some little stories of me. I look back and I think about how I felt really free when I was like dancing and when I was like singing and like the, my creative factors were always there. They were always there. I mean, I look back and I, I think of all the, the, the little sunshine moments of like who I've always been. And even in my pain, like I have these vivid memories of like, I mean, I was very, I, I guess I've never talked about this in the podcast, but I, I used to do a lot of self-injury, like a lot. And obviously I'm not condoning that, but like for anyone who's experienced that, it's such a, it's such a tragic moment of like trying to process pain, right? Where you're like, you're grasping at straws and you really don't have anything other than, you know, turning inward, right? And I think about the moments that got me through that without maybe like creating more problems. And it was like creative energy. Like I I know that many people don't know this, but I used to write poem after poem after poem. I was huge into poetry and it was a huge part of my trauma processing. I would just sit at my computer in my bed. I would just fill up notebooks and like I would sketch like little phrases and little like, you know, like flowers and leaves. And I would like fill up these like basically like scrapbooks filled with like little poetry moments like and I realized that was me. That was me. The core of who I was was attempting to create a protective factor for myself that says there's a way to process this pain and it doesn't have to mean like injuring yourself. It, it's a different avenue. It's a different way to be seen. It's a different way to be heard. And it's a different way to process this energy. Same thing with dancing, right? Like I see, I know this story. Like I was always like the edgy dancer. And I got like, I remember I said, guys, you guys, <laughs> I did a solo senior solo. I did a senior solo. Cause I was on the captain's team. I was on the captain's team guys. No. Um, but I was on the captain's so team. Talented. So Oh my God. No, but I, I used to dance so much and I did a senior solo. And then some people could like, if you weren't on the captain's team, you could get selected to do it. So there was like a big deal to do like some solos. And I did like let the bodies hit the floor and I'm like, Oh, I was a damaged child. Like I hate that I wasn't there for this. Tell me there's footage somewhere. Can we please there unearth is, the it's footage? Lost. It's lost to oblivion because it's on my dad's. You guys no. remember those like tiny micro? They're not even real VCRs. They're the ones that you fit into the VCR. The teeny ones. Oh my Do God. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah, those are the ones. And my dad literally probably has like 400 of those. We have so to like, find. There's got to be a service it. out there that still processes this type of film. And I, is able to like try. convert it to digital. We're going to find it. We can try, but it's so much work. Anyway, so I I was like, oh, I was angry. I was like, (laughs) but I realized like that was like a processing where I like took this really intense song and I used my creative processing. So I think about some of the protective factors where I did. Yes, I had some of those behaviors that could have spiraled out of control, but I also have some of the protective factors that allowed me to express some of this pain in a different way. So if people are curious and they're like, well, where would I start? If I'm grasping at straws, you guys know we're passionate about passing this stuff along. And this is what I mean by like, 
experiencing ways to process out these things. Cause we talk about like talking to people or doing a audible boxing thing or like doing voice messaging and talking your feelings out loud and listening to them back. But remember the power of creative energy, right? Creative energy is you're taking something old and you're transforming it. It's like alchemizing it into something new. And that can feel so empowering. And so I think about dancing I think about writing like my poetry and then I also think about singing as all of these protective factors when I was going through it like it was really really bad at times and I had some of these protective factors that kind of would like like snap me into this like reality of like oh there's a different way of processing right then enter, you know, and then this is where I feel like I wanted to spend a little more time is like, then we have the complexity of relationships. And me and CA were talking about like, what it felt like to like develop relationships when we were younger. And not just like, oh, like the puppy love or like the little like fling relationships we'd have as like high schoolers, but like even our friendships, right? Like, And so one of the things we did on our pre-episode brainstorming session was like, we were trying to talk about like almost the nature of relationships, right? And like, I think about like the depth of some of my friendships were literally just convenience. Like, oh, you're in my English class. So you're now my best friend. And it's like, well, obviously this is how a lot of high schoolers will like. Yeah, some of that's very developmentally normal. Yeah, some of that. Yeah, that's like, we're not even shaming it. Like that's part of like you just becoming a human being and trying to figure out how to make friends, right? So yes, some of them are our relationships of happenstance. And similar to me and CA's story, like our relationship was based on kind of like us coming together and like happening to be at the same place at the same time. But then we started trying to figure out what, made our relationship feel different. Right. And so this is one, and I'm going to speak a little bit to it and then volley it over to CA, but like the idea of noticing, and we started noticing pretty fast. I remember maybe not even like a year or two into our friendship, we started being like, what is, why does this feel so different? And we would try to like put our finger on it. And we would be like little 15 year old, 16 year old girls, like trying to figure out what, life is like when we feel seen, right? Um, But I would say like, what made I'll just reflect briefly, and then I want to hear your side. But like, I think in the beginning, if we kind of talk the listeners through what made our relationship such a protective factor for our trauma processing is I realized that there were factors inside of our relationship where we felt really, what's the word I'm looking for? I, I'm going to say I statements. I felt that I could share with you and it wasn't in any way going to be weaponized against me. Nothing, no vulnerability that I had was going to be used as a wielded weapon against me later. There was never going to be something like, well, I heard Jamie say this to me and see it and like you now talk back, talk to me. I always felt like when I shared with you, it was this like sacred place that felt that I could I could be so authentically me. And to me, that's actually very rare to feel 
Like, I'm not even sure I felt it again. Like, I felt like maybe variants of it, but like, it's such a unique feeling to have in a relationship. So like that, that's where I would start with it. I was going to say the same thing. I think the, the major like unique quality about our relationship early on was this component of authenticity that each of us felt safe to show up in our authentic selves and be fully seen, fully known, fully accepted, not just accepted, fully celebrated for that authenticity. And I think that's what like really kicks it over the edge because for me, like it, it, I wasn't safe to be in my authentic thoughts or my authentic energy or my quirkiness or anything like that around almost anybody in my life growing up. And then like the couple of friends that I had made throughout, you know, let's say middle school, because we met right at the beginning of high school. I felt maybe that there were some factors there finally of me being able to like be a little bit more quirky and authentic. And I was accepted in a lot of ways, like by some of my friends. And that was like the beginning of like being able to open up and like be a little bit more myself. Um, But there was this quality of celebrating that authenticity that you and I have always had that I think is very unique. And maybe even as I'm saying this out loud, we might have people listening and going, I don't know if I have any relationships where my authenticity is celebrated, not just accepted. Right. Right. I mean, and so we so, actually talked about this. Yeah. We talked about yeah. the tolerating feeling, right? Like, I don't know if you wanted to go into that for a sec, but that's it's almost really, like I would give that, yeah. I would give that a few different layers and steps because I feel like there's toleration, which is like, that is an uncomfortable energy to be in. Like, you know, when somebody's just simply tolerating your presence and that's actually uncomfortable and it feels very tense. And then there's acceptance energy, which I think is like a little bit less tense than that. It's more like, Ooh, yep. This is who they are. Like, and they just like, yeah, they think we'll you're accept just, you for yeah, what you're doing. Like, like I guess it's like, you're fine to be like that, but like, I don't really get it, but like, okay. Like it's kind of like, it's a little bit like less tense feeling than tolerance, but it's still not really like, it doesn't feel like integrative to the relationship. It's just more like, okay, that's just a part of who they are. And that's just is what it is, you know, versus then there's like the celebratory energy of like, Yes, like you like get on the same page with this person and you're like riffing off of each other and like just absolutely embracing and like loving everything about this energy that each other has. Even and even if it's not something that you guys both have, like there are things about you that are not at all part of me, but like I still literally like love and celebrate those parts of you because they make you who you are. So why wouldn't I celebrate it? So yeah, I think that's like maybe we we almost have like a couple different layers there of... No, but like, okay, let me just, let's just, I want to stay there for one second because I think there are going to be people that are like, no, I think I'm tolerated in this relationship or friendship or I'm tolerated in this like partnership or marriage or whatever. And then the acceptance, like people are just like, okay, that's acceptable, I guess. Like that kind of thing. Like, I guess we'll deal with that. Like I'll deal with it kind of like, I'll, I'll like, I'll accept it for what it is, but I'm, you know, I'm kind of like, eh, whatever. And then what you just said, the celebrate. But then I think about like, There, I I am, I'm not going to name names, but I immediately think of this one close quote unquote friendship that I had probably for like, oh my God, five years of my childhood. 
And it was literal toleration. Like I remember that feeling. And I, it wasn't even like a friend that I saw randomly. I saw this friend a lot. Like they were in my life a lot. And when I mean they were the epitome of like a frenemy. They were oh, the no. epitome of a frenemy. And I mean um, like we would be hanging out and both of us knew we were kind of like not like we were basically I don't want to say tolerating but like it was kind of like this mutual thing like we both kind of were like oh whatever you know but we would still hang out so much so this is what's interesting is like what CA's talking about developmentally like what happens developmentally and this is why I sit there and I go I don't know if we like if we're parenting these children in the future like I don't know like I would want to point that out to my daughter or my sons or whoever like I would be like do you feel like you have to tolerate this friendship because this is a good talking point for people. Because remember, we learn relational norms in these beginning stages of development. And so this is where me and CA sat down and we're like, how did we not end up more like where we thought it was normal to be like that? And we both both agreed, like when we were talking, we're like, no, I think we could figure it out pretty fast eventually where we were like oh eventually when we got out of that stage of like teenagehood and we got into like the next stage we started kind of being able to catch it faster because and this is what I want to point out to the listeners I think I could I could catch it faster because of CA and this is where people are like okay, well, you know, don't discount your own processing. And I'm like, no, this is my own processing. It's that CA was able to model to me. Mm -hmm. This is what I mean. Like when she talked about the celebration, if we were going to like do the hierarchy of like toleration, acceptance and celebration, like I was able to be able to notice more the like friend groups that were like lacking the depth. And I was, I was probably in more like acceptance friend groups when I was in like my maybe mid twenties where I was like, it's acceptable. Like they probably don't see me as like, you know, that much of a connection with them, but like, whatever, we're all in the same circle and we all accept each other. Right. But what's interesting is like, I realized because CA's relationship was able to give me a blueprint for what deep, authentic, celebrated relationships feel like. And this is what I want you to share what we said. Like, what did we say? We're like, you ruined it for me. Yeah, it is. It's a two-edged sword. It's like, thanks a lot for being such a good friend that now I can't accept shitty friendships. (laughs) She is such a good friend. She's such a good friend to me. I Thanks a lot. <laughs> no, but it is. It's it's not funny, is it? It's serious. It's not funny. It's serious. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. So that's the thing is I, I, I think for a long time, I always kind of like put our friendship in this category of like anomaly. Like it's just an anomaly and it's, it's unusual and it's rare and it's not the normal, like, and we're just lucky. We just literally lucked out by like happening to find a person that we can just be completely our full selves in front of and not have any issues. And like it be the basis of this like beautiful, really authentic friendship. I just kind of put this in this other category because 
I, you know, had a lot of other factors in my life of really bad relationships modeled for me and participating in really toxic dynamics myself. And then I was like, see, like, because this stuff happens in so much more abundance, this is clearly what's normal. And what me and Jamie have is abnormal. And the older I have gotten, the more I have healed, the more I realized normal is just what you choose to normalize. Uh, yes. Let me say that again. Yes. What what is normal in your life is just what you have chosen to normalize. That's me snapping. And so, yeah, <laughs> it's the world's quietest snap. Um, quietest snap. <laughs> Dead. Okay. So that's the thing is, I am getting to this place in my life now where I'm like, oh, okay. So then if. If what I want in my life is more authenticity, not only for my relationship with myself, of course, but developing that authentic relationship with self norms that and then having this relationship with you that's always been based on authenticity and honesty and openness and and all of that. And then I start to realize like, oh, this is what I want normed for my life. This is the standard that I want to hold all of my connections to. I want all of my relationships to feel like this. And the only reason that they don't is because I have allowed and tolerated a different version of what I thought was normal. And I don't have to do that anymore. Oh my God. This is so good. See, like, I'm so glad they're hearing this because this is really where I think if we could catch any of the listeners up to this like rapid evolution that's happening on both of our fronts and like in different ways, like you're, you're experiencing different things than me. But like, I think both of us are like, I don't want to pretend that the way people are interacting with me is normal when I know that I can create an environment. This is what I mean by like, I know I talked to you guys, actually, I probably didn't mention it on the podcast that I'm creating this mastermind group and I'm betting everyone because I want to have a group where we are actually in a psychologically safe environment and we can actually find solace within each other in a professional and personal way. And I sit there and I go, the fact that these environments aren't more common. These, the, the group stuff is common. You're going to find, you can, you can throw a dart and land on a business marketing group or a business mastermind or something. You're going to find the ability to find like group work, but what you're not going to be able to find. And like CA said, I, I wish it wasn't a diamond in a rough, but like it really does become like hard to find environments where people are celebrated and not in competition with each other. And this is one of the things that I will absolutely use as a hallmark of our relationship is that rarely, and I shouldn't say it's never happened because there have been times where like we got, I remember MLM days where I felt like I had to compete against you, but like there, but that was a dark chapter in our history. That was a dark. We shall not speak of it. Oh my God, that sounds like D&D. I like, guys, if anyone's a dungeon master, please DM me because I want to train under you. I'm not kidding. I want to become a dungeon master. Anyway, side side quest. Um, No, so <laughs> I'm telling you, it's this idea of like competition. Let's talk about that for a second. Do you think in relationships where you're celebrating each other, 
that competition is even like it's not it's it's in complete dissonance with the relationship that would be celebrated. That's how what I'm going for. Exactly. I know there's a better word exactly. out there. But that's what I mean. Like if someone's saying at the end of the day, I feel like my relationship, like my intimate relationship is a competition for my needs versus their needs or my life, my life versus their life or my hopes versus their hopes. And it's competition or friendships. Say that happens with friendship. Now you're like, every time I get together, I feel like it's like, we're like one up in each other and like, Oh, what did you got? Oh, what did you do? Like, and it feels like we have to like be hierarchical in the way we relate to each other. And that's the one thing I would say when me and say, have been able to like really understand what our relationship feels like. I think that's the word I would say honored and celebrated is because the idea of feeling like you have to enter into a relationship, regardless of what type of intimacy level you have, if you feel like you're in total competition with them, there is no room to feel seen. You have to show up and be like on your on your A game and you have to be like, oh, see, this is why I deserve to have this respected. This, And you're on the defense. You're on the defense. You're like grasping for what you need. Oh, don't you listen? Can you listen to me? Can you, can I justify why I deserve respect? And that's never been present with me. I've never felt like I had to like ask CA to like co-sign my life. It's always been like, I look at you, I honor you, I see you, and you don't have to justify your pain to me. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to justify your needs to me. And even if there's been times, guys, please understand this. There have been times where I've made some choices where CA's like, no, like I'm not going to go. I'm not going to sit there and be like, you're Gucci. Like you're good. Like you're totally fine to keep doing that. But even in those moments where she didn't see, where she saw like I was making some choices that were not in alignment with her, she wasn't using that as a weapon against me. She didn't look at that vulnerability and be like, oh, Jamie's screwing up. Let me go smear her name and be like, she's a screw up. And why would, like, right? Like she didn't see any type of vulnerability or weakness. Um, I shouldn't use those interchangeably because they're different. But like anything that I could be perceived as like, ooh, Jamie's faltering. She didn't take that and sharpen her sword. That is so important. So when I talk, talk to people about like, how do we create some of these attractive factors? First of all, do an inventory really quick of your relationships. And there's a person, there's one of my coaching clients, I'm not going to name names, but there's a coaching client that I work with that did a similar thing. We actually talked about this exact topic of like, where, where can we find the celebrated relationships? I'm not kidding. I work, this is a very... It's a very intense skill skill set that I, you know, will sometimes throw in the radar of my clients. And this was one of the people that took it on. And they did. They did the task. They did the skill. And they looked at their relationships. And they tried very, with a lot of like almost forensic accounting, looked at their relationship and was like, which ones it's, and I didn't use this language, but just for the sake of the podcast, which ones were tolerated, which ones were accepted and which ones were celebrated. And when this coaching client came back at me, I cannot tell you when they were able to identify and remember, these are people that might not even be in your current presence. 
what's really cool about that, that conversation with that, that coaching client was this was a relationship that hadn't had like a lot of um, presence in their current life, right? They, it was a past relationship where they remember the feeling of being celebrated, which is so beautiful. Like, this is what I mean. It doesn't even have to be, it could be five years ago. It could be 10 years ago. For some people, it could be 20 years ago, right? But if you remember feeling all of these factors, I would say it's worth calling them. It's worth texting them and be like, do you want to do like a FaceTime catch up or do you want to go out for coffee? Like, I just want to touch base with you because guess what? You have to remember that that feeling is not common to feel celebrated. I wish it was more, but it is not. And so the coolest part of that story, just to kind of wrap it in a boat, was that's exactly what that client did. They went back, they reached back out to that person and the stories that came out of that reconnection could send shivers down your spine. Like they reconnected with that person and they came out of that with such enriched perspective. And they were even able to like show what it felt like they were using that relationship, similar to how we use our relationship is like, watch how this feels. Like, watch how this person interacts with me. And they were able to translate that to their other people in their life. They were able to share that with their family and be like, hey, I just want you to meet this person, right? Which is so beautiful where we are actually sometimes missing these people in our lives because of what CA just said. CA was talking about how we normal, like we have these relationships as anomalies, and then sometimes they go out of our life and we don't keep, you know, not just for the sake of, you know, living. We sometimes don't, don't stay in contact with these people. And so what, that's what I would say is I know we have to wrap up in a few minutes, but I think I would say, and I want you to leave a little send off CA too, because we're about to end. But like what I'm going to send you off with is I would invite you to do that exact exercise is I would say do an inventory, sit down with the people in your life and try to understand which ones in your current life are relationships that feel taller, like they're tolerating you or you're tolerating them, relationships where they feel, oh, maybe I'm acceptable or it's acceptable to them. And then if it's not in your current, try to go back and be like, which ones felt the most celebrated the most and it could be anybody guys it doesn't have to be your ex-best friend or that it literally could be like I remember that neighbor would sit down and read with me and like they always just listened to me and they wanted to hear my stories and like I wanted to hear their stories and we just felt like we could see each other and I go those are the people that can become protective factors for you absolutely they can become protective factors so that's what I'm going to leave you with, but I wanted to make sure you have yeah. send that. A second ago, you said something that helps, you know, I'll, I'll bring a another layer to this. You, you had said that um, these relationships are not common. And I really like using that word in conjunction with what I was saying about what's normal and not normal, because I think you're right. And I think I do want to very much acknowledge and validate that it's not common. But we can make the uncommon the normal for our lives. We can create, we can actively work at creating an environment around us and a community of people around us that it is normed and it is normal 
in, in our lives to be filled with relationships like this surrounding us. Even if it's not common, we can make the uncommon become our norm. And I think that was one thing I really wanted to say because I, you know, I, I think there is something to be said about finding these relationships, building these relationships and prioritizing these types of relationships does take effort because it's not, you know, it's not common. This is not the way that most of us have grown up knowing how to do relationships. So just because it's not common doesn't mean that we can't make it normal. And that's, I think, the phase that me and you are at right now in our lives. So we talk about this a lot. It's like thematically a big part of where Jamie and I both are in our personal journeys is just like, how do we create more authenticity around our lives and in our relationships so that we don't feel stifled when we're with this person or that person or in this group or that group or this family system or this gathering. Like, I don't want to be living my life anymore in a way where I feel like I have to like dim my shine or stifle parts of me or quiet some of the parts of me around other people. So what does that look like? You know, how do we surround ourselves more and more with relationships that we feel fully free and fully authentic to just honestly show up the way that we need to show up? So really love the activity with, you know, taking some time to work on that and notice how if those relationships were in your past, um, maybe giving like moments of gratitude for them. When you were talking about that, I had a person come to mind that's no longer with us. And he was really, really very special person to me. And he was like a grandfather that I never had because I didn't know all of my grandfathers were passed away before I was born. So I think about that relationship and how special that was because of exactly what you said. Like he was one of the first people in my life ever to like actually really celebrate me for who I was. And I don't know that I've given enough. T- I mean, I've always, I was always like, I loved him so much and I was always like thankful for his presence in my life, but I don't think I've ever really like reflected and contextualized that relationship and how much his presence throughout my childhood actually was a very powerful mitigating factor to like offsetting some of the pain that I was experiencing simultaneously during that time in other settings. Um, So I think that's like a really important exercise to kind of like go back through and give some like gratitude and thanks for those relationships. And if those people are still with us, if you're listening, like Jamie said, like reach out, drop a line and see if there's a way to catch back up and reconnect because I think it's important to acknowledge just how special those types of connections really are. And going back and having those moments of like reconnection can help build momentum for continuing to seek out and give energy to those types of relationships that are also currently happening. And if if you're struggling right now in a place where you're like, I don't have any like that, then like it does help you though to kind of open up those pathways and those it's like an openness to that type of connection. And and now you like know what you're looking for because you're reconnecting with what it feels like. Because so much of this is like your body and your nervous system are going to speak loudly to you about like who you feel safe in front of. And when you reconnect with how that feels, it really does kind of help you. It gives you so much good information as you continue to build new relationships moving forward. Right. And so that's our hope for you guys is that you can find or reconnect with relationships that celebrate and honor you. Uh, That is literally 
it's such a profound experience to have and it is unfortunately in our society it's it's radical um but our hope is that we can lead environments where you know it's not so uncommon so thank you for listening and end of season one i'm gonna cry but oh yes my gosh. i'm so excited we did it <laughs> we did it we are going into our next chapter and so we are so excited for you to come along with us and we will see you next time bye Thank you so much, y'all, for tuning in. If anything we said resonated, please subscribe and leave a review anywhere you listen to podcasts. This absolutely helps us grow, and we really do value your voice on this podcast. So if you have anything you'd like to contribute, any tips, any topics, or if you just want to say hi, you can email us at unlearned at recollectedself.com. You can find us on Instagram at the unlearned podcast or individual Instagrams at recollectedself and CAs is at embracing divergence. You can also find us over on TikTok under those handles. If you want to join our Patreon for $5 a month, you can be our coffee fiend club member. And that's going to give you access to our podcast within a podcast, which is called unhinged. This is basically where we let loose completely unedited we are literally just shooting the breeze having fun you can see our full personalities and it is a blast honestly it's pretty fun so if you want to join us you can find that at patreon.com unlearned and that's it the last thing i want to tell you is i want you to be brave enough to fight for the person you want to become and this is how we do the work